I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back with another great episode for you. Uh, today, it is just Ryan and I. Ne- again, oh, I guess I'm, I'm spilling some tea about next episode. This is another one where we're... None, none, neither of us have seen this one. Nope. So uh, it's another one where we're going in blind, except for what research we've done. Exactly. For it. Now I am spoiling that our Bolt episode. We have a guest, but they are. It is. It is a situation where they haven't seen it, so that was interesting. So we're that was the first a little time we've done that, which yes. is really kind of fun. What do you know about Meet the Robinsons? The movie we'll be doing today from what year is this? Two thousand five. Seven. Seven. I was off. Uh. I didn't know anything about it. So isn't wasn't there something like Will Robinson? That's lost in space. Yes. So that's the only thing I know with like the name Robinson to like connect it. So I was curious if that had anything to do with this. I don't think so. So this was based off a book. Did yes. Your research I've, got, that, which I've is... got some information about what the book was about. Yes. And, yeah. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the top three movies this year, we have uh, Spider-Man 3 at number three, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix at number two, and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End at number one. Shrek the Third is in number four. Let me see if there's any. I don't see any uh, Bond movies this year. Uh, I did read that they had a budget of about 150 million for this movie, mm-hmm. and the box office was 169.3. So it's funny. Million. It's funny you bring up Lost in Space because I think with what I was watching, this is like at this time the most Tomorrowland movie. Yes. That had come out. It's very like retro futuristic mm-hmm. and very optimistic future. Uh, yeah. It's based off a book called. A Day with Wilbur Robin Wilbur Robinson? Yes. By uh, William, William Joyce. Joyce. So you have some stuff on that? Yeah. I also wanted to talk about that um, it got a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, 61 on Metacritic, uh, and it was considered a computer animated sci-fi comedy, and it took about four years to be in production. Now, they had the rights to this since like the mid 90s. Oh, that I didn't know. The Disney did. And they kind of, they apparently they originally got it with the idea of it being a live action. Yes, I read that it was supposed to be live action originally. Uh, I also read that it was loosely based on this children's book. So I think it takes the character's names yes. and the idea of an eccentric family. From what I saw of the book, it had kind of like, you know, Jumanji's after a book and like the Polar Express or books. Yeah. that's I, I, I don't know this for sure, but that's what the book looked like and what they showed. Kind well, it's of a, a picture mostly, book. Yeah it's, yeah. it's not really much of a thing, but more of like, look at this really cool pictures we've drawn. So like Jumanji's a similar thing where there's Jumanji is, the book is, look at these pictures of... Animals tearing up the landscape. Yeah, I had the book. I had the book for Jumanji. Did you really? Express. Yeah. Uh, Jumanji would be a good one. We should do. I feel like that's we could fit easily into childhood trauma. Although I don't think I was traumatized by it, except we're getting off. But that that part where the kid goes in and it's that really bad computer generation is like ah, and it's Robin Williams who's a kid. And he goes into the game. Do you remember uh, that at all? Yes. But it's like his fingers just kind of like go long. Yeah. That's the only part I was like, oh. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, so it was loosely based off a 1990 uh, children's book. 
And it was a picture book, and it was expanded and reissued in 2006. So a year before Mm. the film came out, they kind of reissued it. But it's the story of a boy who visits an unusual family and their home. And while spending the day at the Robinson home, Wilbur's best friend joins, uh, so I'm assuming that's the boy, uh, joins in the search for Grandfather Robinson's missing false teeth. Yes. And so he meets wacky relatives along the way. So as they're looking for his false teeth, he's introduced to this kind of quirky, eccentric family. And it made me want to go look at the picture book. Well, interestingly enough, apparently a lot of these picture books are based off of William Joyce's family. Oh, that is interesting. His grandfather had false teeth, was missing a thumb, and had a glass eye. So he always thought his... He he thought his grandfather was like replaceable, like had replaceable parts. Like mm, he was just always yeah. like, "Oh yeah, if we if something if, if something happened, to grandfather, we could just get him another one or whatever." Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that was the whole thing. He also had an uncle Paul who was seven feet tall and always claimed to be from outer space. Oh wow! It's like very would just tall. say, "Oh, I'm not from here," and they're like, well, "Where are you from?" He's like, he'd point up. Like he just did stuff like like when people asked why he was so tall. So he just yeah. had this eccentric family, and he also had. Uh, a family he hung out with that had some weird members, the the Parkers, I believe, is what they were. And he goes to their house. And they had like a big mansion. He's like, I got to grow up. You know, I was good friends with one of their sons and I got to grow up here. And it was a really fun place to play and do this, this and this, mm-hmm. which I think is some of the inspiration for like going to this other house. And it's a big mansion and it's yeah. like the whole family comes together and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Well, I had that uh, the director, Stephen J. Anderson, Mm -hmm. he lobbied to direct the film after reading the screenplay, and supposedly it was because he was adopted. So he personally experienced a lot of the emotions that they focus on in the film. So, you know, the question about belonging and being wanted and those types of feelings and emotions. And so that was uh, part of his reason for wanting to direct it. Did you know that he's also a voice in the film? Yes, he's a couple voices, I he's, think I read. He's the bowl, boy, bowler hat guy. Yes, which who, is one of the villains. I do think watching the video I did, I got some spoilers for this movie, so we'll see. Yeah, I think I read a, a spoiler in the villain book we, as we well. We won't talk about it till we get there. But yeah, but there are two villains, bowler hat guy and Doris. Doris? Who's Doris? Doris is, so I'll jump to that. Doris is Cornelian, Cornelius Robinson has an invention, and it's to be a helping hat. And she's to, like, help the wearer with tasks, but she instead wants to use mind control on the wearer. So she's deactivated. Oh, okay. And she's put in a storage. And then she comes out of storage and meets up with broken bowler hat guy. Okay. So they get together, and I'm assuming she mind controls bowler hat from what I read if she's trying to mind control. I I don't don't know that that's correct, but they work what I think is kind of in tandem to take over the world. What I remember about this was a trailer where the only thing I like watching, I thought it looked very weird. Because one thing I remember the trailer is it was very obvious that they had taken lines from other parts in the movie and put them on characters when they weren't saying it so it was a lot of Mm. like hey let's go get pizza and the guy's clearly mouthing like i like karate and i'm like what like and it looked it made the animation look very bad yeah i don't know what other types of facts you came across but i did read that the parts of lewis and wilbur had to be recast when the original actor's voice broke through (laughs) which i (laughs) that happens a bit so frustrating it seems like it's a pretty common occurrence. Yeah, and so it's puberty frust- sucks. But it's frustrating to me that they have to be recast. Like, why can't they figure out, 
either do the math. I know, like, it's not like it'll happen on this day. I know it's a range in your age. But I think that's frustrating for an actor to then, like, no longer have a part. I mean, I guess they get paid for the work they do regardless. But it is frustrating that it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to be this voice in this movie. And then half of it's redubbed because your voice Bro. Well, I also think some of it is like the the length of time it takes to do animation. But yeah, like, this project was I think about four years. Yeah, so I get so. that. I just my heart goes out to the people who have been cast that then have to get recast, and I feel like we read that fact a lot. Yeah. No, I I mean when it's children, I think it's happened a few times here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean. I, I, there's something to be said about like you want to when you're animating stuff you want to be able to like look at the actor and make a decision but like maybe you know it, it, the thought I, I mean and I don't know how they do this now but maybe they do more like scratch voice work where it's just like let's just get a kid in here and have him do the lines like maybe yeah yeah I don't know enough to yeah I have no, I have no done. clue uh, I also read that this is when Walt Disney feature animation they wanted to assert themselves as being separate from Pixar. So this Mm. is when they kind of separate. They were renamed Walt Disney Animation Studios Mm. at this point. And this is the first film to show the new animated logo of Steamboat Willie from 1928. Oh, I love that logo. And it's the first Mickey Mouse cartoon to feature sound. So that's the clip that they're showing. Oh, Steamboat Willie is the first Mickey Mouse. Yes. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's the the logo and the clip that they use as like a couple seconds. So this is the first film to do that. I think it also was on Pirates because I think they also did the Pirates. The the animation for Pirates. Yeah, and so I think... It was in that as well, but it's the first animated film, I believe, like fully animated to have the logo is what I read. Interesting. Another thing I read has to do with the director and Lasseter. It's John Lasseter, right? So I was reading that John Lasseter, and I think we've mentioned this in another episode, he's relatively new in his new role as, I think Mm -hmm. it's creative director. I might not have the title right. He was a, he might, uh, I think that he's he's just starting creative director. He was producer on some stuff leading up to this. But he becomes the boss of a lot of people. Right. At this point. And so he's the new boss of the director. And one of the comments he had when he saw the film was that the villain wasn't scary enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, after a test screening, I don't know if it was the same test screening where he made the comments about the villain, but he has a test screening and he suggests a lot of changes for the director. And so in the next 10 months prior to the release, so they've been working on it for years, 10 months prior to the release, nearly 60% of the movie was reshot or re-rendered, yeah. which I thought was kind of crazy. Yeah. And I feel like we talk about the hectic schedules of animators and I'm like, part of that, this is why, like. Part, and, and I get, you know, sometimes you don't see problems or issues until you have a test screening. But to me, it must be extremely frustrating as an animator, as somebody working on this production to 10 months before it's supposed to be released, to have over 60% of the film be changed. I mean, I don't know how common that is. Well, I mean, I've worked on game projects where it feels like there's, they've, you know, it. I'm not going to mention a specific project, but there was one I worked on when I came on there. It had been six years of development on it and I got on and I was like, what is this like what have we done in six years? Six, not you said six. Sixty, I Sorry. think is what you said at first, or that's what it sounded like. Six. Six okay. years. Yeah. And then everything, like all the stuff that actually makes it a game comes together in the last bit, or there's like a big sweeping change, you know, that was 
to be on this is more publicized so i don't feel bad saying this that was some of the issues with uh mass effect andromeda was there were big huge story changes near the end so yeah. we've been working on this stuff and it becomes you know not only changing it but trying to like fit in what you can and get it what that's already there and get it to work in the new structure or whatever big change yeah and so that's why i'm curious it's it's probably more common than not it's just wild to me to think of it and put myself in the shoes of the people working yeah. on it the 60% they said were adding new story elements, action scenes, and a diabolical sidekick. So yeah. they must have reworked the the villain duo, I think. Yeah, I think Doris is the sidekick. So that's interesting that you had her as a villain. She's listed in the villain book. She's listed yeah. alongside. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I kind of found that interesting. That well, no, no, it can't be Doris. It might be Doris because one thing I know about this Listeners is they are probably screaming at us. Who've seen yeah, who've that. seen this? <laughs> um, they storyboard. They made them storyboard the whole movie and then pitch it to Disney. Oh, which is something they really hadn't done. Is usually yeah. like they were like, "Yeah, we don't know if we're going to do this movie. Do the entire thing in a storyboard, show that, and then we'll make the decision." Which wow. again seems kind of crazy. It's a lot of lost work if they yeah. decided not to go with it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I had, and then I have uh, things to look out for, like mm-hmm. things to watch for, is you mentioned it with Tomorrowland. It, they have something in here called Todayland Park. Yes, and I saw that. And it's a tribute to the original <laughs> Tomorrowland. Wilbur travels from 2007 to 2037. It's a 30-year period. And the park was, you know, opened in 1955. And the idea was that's what 1985 was supposed to look like, mm-hmm. which is just really kind of yes. comical when you think about what is in Tomorrowland, what was in Tomorrowland. I know there have been some changes since then to Tomorrowland, uh, but I just kind of found that fun. That well, that was the the connection. I saw on the soundtrack that they might be giants do a cover of Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, which is the Carousel oh, Project. Oh, yeah. Carousel, Carousel Progress. Progress. Do you know who does the score on this? Mm-mm. Danny Elfman. Very cool. Yeah, That's like interesting. Was, I was watching the making of it. Also, he popped in. I was like, Danny Elf. You know, like yeah. I was waiting for them to they're like the music, and then they show mm-hmm. some guy. I have no idea who they. Like I don't know who what. I, I know a lot of prolific uh, composers, but I couldn't pick them out of a lineup like Hans Zimmer or Howard Shore. Yeah, but, but you, you know, know like what? The, I know what Danny, Danny Elfman, Elfman looks like. like. I know what John Williams yeah. looks like. So mm-hmm. I was like, I saw Danny Elfman. I was like, what? Is, what are you doing in this? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like All American Rejects has a song on this. Rob Thomas has a song. Rufus R- Wainwright oh, wrote okay. a couple songs. So there's there's interesting stuff in this. I'm interested to see how it all turns out. Yeah. I have some things to look out for unless you have some other facts. You, We have now drained my, okay. my, my font of fact knowledge. So uh, for us watching it for the first time or if you're a fan of the film and maybe some things you haven't noticed before and you want to look out for... Uh, the Robinson's Topiary Garden is inspired by Walt Disney World. It's very mm. reminiscent of the gardens in Walt Disney World. And there are bounce pads in the garden. And they said that they're similar to the jumping fountains. In I Epcot. was just about to ask when you said the, fa- I go, I go, do you remember the jumping water? They're one of my favorite things. It's I love so the silly. jumping. I think it's, it's, it's something that. You mentioned Jumping Fountain in Epcot, and it brings me back to a certain age, a certain time, and watching those fountains in Epcot. Like, it brings a very specific memory back for me, and I, I love it. I remember that, and I remember when I was very young. I don't think this walk-around character is around much anymore, if at all. Do you remember Dreamfinder and Figment? We should do a whole thing. Figment. I have a stuffed animal in the other room. Right, you have Figment. figment. I remember, loved Figment. You know, Dreamfinder, though. Yeah. The, the guy who, like, has the top hat. He's on that ride. Mm-hmm. But they used to have a walk-around character 
that was Dreamfinder, and he looked like he was holding Figment, but he's oh, yeah. working a Figment puppet. And I remember when I was at Epcot, it's a very, I have a very distinct memory of seeing Dreamfinder at the at the at the the jumping fountains. Oh, that's really cool to see him there. Some other things to look out for in the orphanage. There's a picture of Walt Disney. Huh. And there's also a picture of... As an adult or as a kid, do you it think? It didn't say. Hmm. But there's also a picture of Nikola Tesla. Is that mm-hmm. how you say his first name? Yes. Now, you being from Jersey are probably a uh, Edison stan, but, you know, they were... I mean, I know more about Edison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Edison, feel like New Jersey up... exists. There's an Edison museum that we went to in elementary school. So, yeah, I know a lot more about Edison than I do Tesla. Right. Because of where I live. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that is true. I don't know that me, Tara J- picks a side over who I, f- I root for more. But I, f- I feel like I feel Frank like and I have had a discussion about that. My uncle, uncle Frank, yeah. yeah. I also feel like in recent years we found he stole. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He was mostly just the businessman paying people. Like Tesla was but someone like, who invented ideas. a bunch of stuff from Tesla specifically. But yeah. Tesla, like one of them did direct current versus alternating current and mm-hmm. like all sorts of stuff. I'm sure there there are so many Nikola Tesla people who are yelling at me. I'm getting something wrong, but like Tesla, you know, had this idea of kind of um, a different way of doing electricity. So they've kind of been, but of course, Edison as a richer white male came in. You know, Tesla is like a Serbian um, immigrant, so oh, there's I don't some think of that I there that. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for You're the, welcome. the I mean, history and science. Oh, I, if you, if, I, I, I like that kind of stuff. So I'd love to see if we have a documentary on Tesla and Edison. So. Uh, yeah, or if there's any listeners out there who have some Absolutely, facts, let us we, know. We'd love to hear them. Uh, and speaking of science, at the science fair, something else to look out for, Wilbur Tens, uh, it's held at Joyce Williams Elementary School. And so that's a nod to the author mm. of the book. So I thought that was kind of fun. I always love when they give credit to the original source material in some way in the film. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a fun nod. Uh, when Wilbur's dad is talking to Lewis, he uses the Disney point. Do you know what the Disney point is? It's the full hand or multiple you fingers. Had it the first is time. it two fingers? It's two fingers instead of one. Yes. So Wilbur's dad uses that. So it's something to look at. It's for. also a bit of a joke if you see old pictures of Walt. He's always doing the Disney point. Do you know why? Because he used to have a well, they, there was they've a edited cigarette out a cigarette out of his hand. Well, I was curious. So, when people who work at Disney point in the parks, do, do you know if they have them use two fingers? Or I think they use two fingers. These are whole hand to point because to it's point. just this is rude. Got I it. think it's some of it, but the Walt point because if there's yeah. a, there's a Walt Disney uh, Funko Pop that's got its hand down by here and it's doing the two fingers because they've edited out the, the cigarette. cigarette, which I think yeah. is just so funny. So another way it connects back to the source material for the author, not necessarily the source material, but more for the author, uh, there's a dino mascot for a baseball team, and it's an homage to Dinosaur Bob and his adventures with the family Lizardo, and it's another book by this <laughs> author. So I want to look up this book and the Robinson's book. This author just sounds like kind of a, a, a fun nut. Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I kind of want to look at that book as well. Uh, and then I just have two more things to look out for. One is when you're in Todayland, yes, Todayland Park, 
you can see Space Mountain at some point. I think it's on the right side mm-hmm. of the screen. So I read that. So that's another fun thing to look out for. And then Hidden Mickeys. We haven't had these in a while, but Hidden Mickeys. There's apparently one on music stand sheets when Lewis meets Franny. I'm wondering if that's supposed to be like sheet music. Yeah. I, the way they worded it yeah. sounds weird. Franny, I believe, is the matriarch of oh, the okay. Robinson clan. Voiced by Nicole Sullivan, I believe. Oh, okay. And then the other hidden Mickey is the cover of Gaston's stopwatch upside down. That's the mm. description. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to see if we can find it. But that's all the info I have on this one. Yeah. Well, let's let's hop. Let's not waste any more time. Let's hop in. Let's stop acting like we know what we're talking about and actually figure out what we're. <laughs> I know. We'll take a little time travel. There we go, guys. So let's uh, uh, take the VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. We'll see you on the other side, listeners. Listeners, we are back and we have some thoughts. What a weird movie. Yeah. I feel like I have hyperactive disorder from watching this movie. Like, uh, It's a lot. You... It's a sensory overload. It feels like a little bit of a fever dream at moments at times. There are parts of this movie. I think there is stuff to like in this movie. And I think. Yeah, I think the core, the core storyline I think is really good. I think it just goes off the rails a little bit more than I would have liked. This went off the rails. There's a... <sighs> We're... Let's get into Yeah, it. I think we should just dive in, start talking about the story, and we'll just go from there. Let's talk first about the things that were spoiled for us, because I think we're going to have a hard time keeping these as spoilers. Yeah, so there are um, two kind of big spoilers in the storyline. One you might if, see coming, one you might not. So if that's the case and you've not seen it... Watch, you can watch this. I also think if you learn this, like, it's not... I mean, maybe... It wasn't detrimental, but I am curious. I don't think that us not knowing what we knew, like, would have completely changed our opinion on the story. I think we might have been more confused of, like, what is going on? Because that was my thing, is there's a lot of stuff where they... you uh, You just have to be okay with the plot moving along on its own yeah and so we're going to share those spoilers here now at the top so again if you don't want to be spoiled uh then just turn this off go watch it and then you can come back or go read a synopsis whatever so you want to do number one the first spoiler we both knew about yeah oh yeah which was the big one goob is mr bowler hat bowler hat guy and uh i knew that because i read a fact about him losing the game, the baseball game, because Lewis keeps him up late at night with yes. his inventions. And we'll get more into that storyline in a minute. But then and the this, other one we figured out on our own. I Well, because I saw a picture of the family with the patriarch of the family, who you find out is Lewis. Yeah. But he is called Cornelius in this, because during the movie... They keep trying to make a big deal about not showing his hair his color. Hair, well, his hairstyle. Yeah, and hair color. He said yes. your hair color. And it's clear that everybody else in the family has dark hair, like yes. the mom. Yes. Who, well, there's, there's a bunch of stuff in this that's So those like, are the two big spoilers. Yes. I did not know that Cornelius, the patriarch, the dad of the Robinsons, I didn't know that going in. But I started figuring it out. That one I think is a little easier to figure out yes. as they're like... He's hiding him from the family and everything. And then eventually, you as the viewer are told it. 
by the family. So let's, uh, with that in mind, because again, I think you're way into this story because it's like bowler hat guy goes back in time and wants to like destroy Lewis. And the whole time you're like, why? Who is this guy? Why? Yeah. But not in a way that you're like, oh, I want to find this mystery. It just feels like you went. To me, it would have felt like, did I miss something? Did they not explain? Yeah, like, I'm curious if we hadn't known that. I don't know. What would have changed? I'm with you. I don't think much would have changed, but I think my reaction would have been different. There are parts of this movie that I legit had reactions like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I laughed. But there were parts of it where I was like, this is like, it it made me tired. Yeah. It feels like I was babysitting a hyperactive child. It was a sensory overload for sure. It was a lot thrown at you at once in a lot of different moments of the film. And, And this movie, in a lot of ways, is like, let's celebrate a family that is cool with each of their members having quirks some of their quirks are legit like mental health disorders that need to be addressed i'd like to talk about that when we get there okay if that's okay because i feel it'll make more sense because i think we could just babble on versus like let's just dive into the plot well i don't you think it would be more in in the spirit of this movie if we just (laughs) we just jumped around i'll just pick a page in my notes and that's where we'll start yeah uh, well, it opens, Ooh. we're not going to do that because I'm too type A for that, but it opens on a rainy orphanage and a baby's left on the steps and that baby is Lewis. And I will say there's a cool thing where there's like weird footsteps that happen. And a knock at the door. A knock at the door. And we find out more about that later. So yes. we'll talk about that a little later. There's a lot of fun back to the future Bill and Ted time travel stuff. Yeah. This. And that I really appreciate it. Did you really appreciate the back to the future? We've already, <laughs> I think, admitted on this podcast. I think I've admitted on air that I have issues with back to the future. And if anyone is upset about that, they can you get at me. You haven't seen it all the way through. I think we need to get 30 minutes into it before you finally go like, yes or no. I think if you okay. get 30 minutes in, you might go, okay. I mean, if you get 30 minutes into it, you might as well finish the movie at that point. But All right. A conversation for another time. Yes. So We will do an episode on Back <laughs> to the Future. There will be a mini tale. Uh, Why? I, because I think it could ease – because it's a movie about – there's some weird stuff in it that I think could easily qualify for a childhood trauma theater. Okay. Got it. And it will also be fun for everyone to listen to your first thoughts mm. on seeing it the whole way through. So uh, <laughs> it cuts to Lewis inventing with Goob. And Goob is his roommate. And his last name's Gubowski? Something it's like that. It's really funny. It's not when they say, Gubowski. It's like Wagooberman or something. Yeah, Goob is not like Wagubian. the first part of it. Or, or maybe it is Goobian. It's Mike. Michael. It's Mike Wagoobian, I think is what his yeah. last name is. And so uh, adopting parents show up and he's kind of talking through his inventions. Lewis is. He meets with these. And he has this idea for portion control for PB&J about how, you know, you never get it just right. And he's mm-hmm. got like kind of if you've ever seen one of those uh, beer hats with the straws, yes. that's kind of what it looks like, but it's a toaster and then PB&J on each side right. with the straws. And so, and it has a gun. It's like connected to a gun that would like put it onto the toast. Mm-hmm. And so the potential mom says, we don't really eat PB&J. What she should have said, I understand why they did it. He, but he I, bring, Yeah, he brings it to like this family that's going to adopt him and he like monopolizes the conversation talking about it. And she says, we don't really eat peanut butter, but she doesn't say she why. Said, whoa, 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 peanut allergy yeah. is what she should have said. So she doesn't say that and it explodes everywhere. And then the potential dad who is there to adopt him, he has an allergic reaction and she comes out mm. with an EpiPen and it's pretty... 
pretty tragic for Lewis because he's like, oh my god. At one point, he's like, did I kill him? And yeah. Later, the the oh, orphanage is owner, it Mildred? What was Mildred, her name? I think was yeah. her name, says, "Oh, poor Mr. Harrison." He's like, did I kill him? And he's like, yeah. no, 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 no. I just he's fine. He's fine. But I just wrote, I didn't like. That those parents weren't open-minded, but I guess that's the point, is that he's such a creative, visionary child. He needed parents to foster that, well, and I guess those weren't the right parents. I just didn't like how they yeah. portrayed these people. I was like, they didn't seem like they want it. It's like, I don't want to compare it to adopting a dog, but it's like when somebody wants a rescue dog, but they want something that's so specific that it's like, well, you should have just gone to a breeder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. that's not the same thing as a child. No, I, no, no. I recognize that. But that's how it felt to me. Well, like, it, Okay, let's take that part out of it and just realize that if you have a peanut allergy and someone comes at you with a peanut butter gun, yeah. you should say more than like, mm, not a big fan of peanut butter in our family. Yeah, like, I realize I'm making a pretty like <laughs> intense comparison. But well, I, I also think what, you're tr- what you might be trying to get at is the fact that they're kind of trivializing peanut allergies in this. That and just like that the parents were so like... Like if they were so close-minded about like supporting like to meet this kid. It seemed like which if when he started talking about his inventions, they immediately were like, "No, what thank kind you." Of sports I don't do you wanna- like, son? Yeah. It's like, "Okay, you want a sporty kid. This feels like something you should have had a discussion with." And maybe with, Goob uh- should have been who you were meeting because <laughs> Goob played baseball. Goob loves baseball. Um, uh, but yeah, I just didn't Goob I don't know. It looked it's like a- he stepped out of the Adams family with well, those circles I, under his eyes. because he can't sleep. He has circles under his eyes because he can oh, never sleep. I, well, I thought I didn't think about that at the beginning. He just never can sleep. Yeah, because he's always doing. That was my assumption is because Lewis is always working well, on his inventions. Bowler late at guy night. doesn't have lines under his eyes as much, so I think you think after he's probably sleeping all the sleep. time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a very short part in the movie, and I I shouldn't be. I guess as up in arms, but I really didn't care for it. Yeah, I just nah. didn't like it. So already we're off to a mess start on this. Yeah. Thing. So then we find out that Lewis has been keeping track and he's had 124 adoption interviews, which is overwhelming. And he'll be 13 next year and how it is even more difficult when you're a teenager to become adopted. Mm-hmm. And so he feels that no one wants him. And Mildred tries to lighten his spirits and say, you know, you're a great influence. She, I think she's a good influence on him, but she's like, you know, there's someone out there for you. And he's like, I well, maybe, yeah. And she's like, well, maybe your mom just couldn't care for you. Maybe it wasn't, she didn't want you. She just didn't have the means to care for you. But then he jumps to the conclusion of, oh, my mom always wanted me. She'll still want me now. I need to find my mom. And you can see how Mildred's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's not exactly what I yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah. And she tries to help him and he jumps to, I need to create an invention that'll make me remember what my mom looked like. She's, I ha- she's, she's in here in somewhere. Here. I just yeah. can't find her. Um, I can't get back to that. And my brain just has to remember. So that's when he starts up late at night making this invention. And it's a montage. And this is when Goob is kind of helping him out. And this mm-hmm. is when you really see Goob not sleeping. And uh, he starts talking about baseball and how, like, they're shooing to win, but he's like, I'm hoping I can stay awake because I've been up yeah. all night. And Lewis wants to stop interviews altogether. He's like, I don't need to interview adoptive parents anymore because I'm going to find my mom. So it doesn't matter. I don't need to meet with people anymore. And he focuses on his invention and he goes to a science fair that is sponsored by a company called Inventco. And so we see, uh, we also see in the montage some of the students that Lewis is with, both at the school and like yeah, he's also he- like, 
auditing college classes, it looks like, at yes. one point. And then he's back at the school where he does his, most of his learning. His science teacher seems to be very supportive of him. Yes. And you meet some of the others. Al- although the first shot you see in the room is it's like Lewis is teaching and then it cuts to the class and there's a... Who you find out later is the science teacher in the desk. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I was like, yeah. why is there a man? <laughs> like, yeah. like, is there a, a, a man who takes, I didn't know what was well, going and I'm on. I'm wondering if maybe it was Lewis coming back from one of the classes he audited or being in the library and being like, hey, this is what I found out or talking about. But his it's happening in so class. fast yeah, in this montage. All I see is, is like Lewis teaching and then a man in, the, in, in a, a kid's science class. class. And I'm yeah. Like, so we meet a few of the students and their science projects. And I like Lizzie, who we only meet for a few seconds. Oh, with the fire But she has ants. the fire ant farm. And the science teacher goes, Lizzie, we talked about this. They can bite people if they get out. She goes, only, only my, my enemies. enemies. I liked Lizzie. Yes. Uh, we also see someone who is recreating Mount Vesuvius with the traditional volcano, but at least it's themed. I liked that it was yes. themed. It didn't work. His trigger um, button wasn't working to turn it on. And then all of a sudden, Wilbur Robinson shows up. And I will say, this was also very confusing and chaotic. Because Wilbur Robinson just shows up out of nowhere and is like, a bowler hat stole my time machine. And you have to be on the lookout for him. He also knocks over that girl's box of frogs and she makes him help pick him up. Yes. And then she's like... He says something like to her, and she's like, I know karate. She's she's a weirdo. Yeah. And so he presents... This is all happening, and Wilbur, like, disappears, and Lewis is like, I don't know who you are, but they're the same age. They seem like they're the same age. And so he presents his machine for forgotten memories. He calls it the memory scanner, Mm -hmm. and he wants to go back to 12 years, 3 months, and 11 days. And the coach of the baseball team is also a judge because it's in the gym. And He says some kind of rough, because he says something to the... um kid in the toga for the Vesuvius where he's like what's with the dress like it's kind of I'm like all right yeah well and he asks he doesn't grill Lewis too much but he's like why are you going back to that specific day and Lewis is like it's just a very important day he's like okay go ahead so he doesn't push him too much on that uh we also meet at this point a scientist from Inventco she is like the special guest and she's voiced by Lori Metcalf, Metcalf, who I absolutely love. And she had a very specific name, but it's something like Dr. Klugenstein. Yeah, or something. and she's pretty quirky. And she invented a caffeine patch, we find out. And she's like, and right. there are no side effects. And then she'll randomly scream. scream. She'll randomly <laughs> fall asleep. I really liked the bit of her character, you know, because we get like little bits and pieces of her here. And so he presents his memory scanner but as that's happening the bowler hat on bowler hat guy kind of floats under the cloth that his machine is under and unscrews two screws which mal- makes it right. malfunction and so everything goes crazy and it's very chaotic in the gym because when everything goes wrong with his invention it lets out all the fire ants which get onto the coach and then the frogs go crazy and it sets off the sprinklers in the gym and it's basically a nightmare so after all of this happens, the bowler hat steals bowler hat guy, BHG. I really hate it writing that every time in my notes. I should have abbreviated it, but I didn't. And it got annoying that right. he had like three names. Uh, but he steals the invention and Lewis becomes very upset uh, because now this is another invention. This one was more important to him, obviously, than the PB&J invention, but he just can't get it to work. And so he's ripping up his notebook. Wilbur follows him to the roof. 
And he's like, if I can prove I'm from the future, like, will you help me? Basically. He keeps flashing him this quote unquote badge being like, I'm a future time cop. And it yeah. ends up being like, what is the coupon to a tanning, to a tanning salon? salon or something. And so he proves he's from the future by pushing him off the roof. And he falls off the roof and he falls onto something, but it's invisible. And you find out it's an invisible time machine that mm-hmm. can become visible. And so they go in and they go to Todayland and, uh, in time travel. And this is when... So my one of my problems with this future is it's kind of like, in the future, they, they didn't like, like kind of nail down what what this future was like is it all robots is it science they just go like anything can happen so yeah, like people are floating in bubbles which i thought that was i think that cool. works with it too we'll get to some of that in a sec when we get to the family is when i'm like what is happening yeah here? like so i don't understand we go to today land first and so you see the people floating in bubbles and wilbur says you know i promise you i will take you back to the night that you want to go back to to see your mom, but I need you to help me. Um, you have to. They f- they go fix a time machine. Why? Yeah, the time but, machine but why? He brings them to the future to prove that that's real, and then oh, he goes, Lewis so then wants to go back right away. To he meet goes, his if mom. I prove you that the future's real, you go back and fix your brain machine. Yeah, your memory. Right. Scanner. So they go to go back, and he's like, "Well, why would I fix that? I have a time machine now. I can, I can just go, go back mom. and do it." And, and they then fight. that's when they crash the time yes, machine. Yes, and they crash right. it. And then the new promises, "I will take you back once you fix this." Yes. And then we'll get back to it. This is still like at this point, I feel like the movie had yet to really like grab off my the, interest. Well, but it also isn't going off the rails yet either. Right. Yeah. It, it goes. This is okay to. What is happening to, okay, now I see what this movie wants to be. Yeah. And so basically Wilbur is like, my parents are going to be very upset with me. Like, And it's trying to explain to him how dire this situation right. is. He and, like hides him in the garage with the robot Carl. Yeah. And so before that happens, we cut back to Bowler Hat Guy. And he shows up at Inventco because he's stolen the memory scanner and has re-screwed it in. And he has Lewis's invention and he wants to meet the man in charge. And there's this whole bit and you can see... How incompetent he is without Doris, like, pulling the strings. He's so incompetent that I was like, I hate this guy. Like, for In a while, this I moment, like, yeah. I, I was like, I don't like this guy. Yeah, why Doris is he so Yeah, Doris tells dumb? him what to say, but we don't understand why Doris doesn't, why he doesn't wear Doris into the interview. That was confusing. Yeah. That she had to be out there showing him, like, these digital cue cards, and then they close the blinds, and he basically, it goes horribly wrong for him. In a, in a just overly long slapsticky scene that like could have been cut yeah or i don't know well we find out that he wants to crush the dreams of the orphan boy so we know that he has like a bone to pick with lewis but we don't exactly know why at this point so then we go back to the future and carl the robot freaks out when he meets lewis and he sees his blonde hair because uh, assuming he knows who lewis is and he should not have been brought to the future because it messes with the timelines and the hair is a dead giveaway. So then Wilbur puts like a fruit. uh like a Carmen Miranda fruit yeah, hat. Yeah, hat on his head to hide it. And then you look and zoom out and the house looks very reminiscent of Richie Rich, of Scrooge McDuck. It's of the got, money bin. Of yeah. the money bin. And so. Well, it's like Art Deco, which I think is the same style that they were going mm, for in those things. So. And so we realize that the bowler hat guy has stolen the second time machine. So right. one is broken and the bowler hat guy got there by stealing 
the other time machine because the garage was unlocked and Wilbur's the one who left the garage unlocked. So Wilbur is basically, every time something's going wrong, he's trying to fix it without telling his family so he cannot get in trouble. Right. And it all starts with him leaving the garage door unlocked. And so the robot runs the numbers of how probable Wilbur is likely to succeed in doing this. And there's a 99.9% chance Wilbur won't exist. And Wilbur's like, well, that won't happen. And so, and I wonder if it's because he knows it's his dad, so he has faith. He's like, well, my dad's invented all this stuff. Like, I think, Lewis I think can Wilbur's do it. Just, conf- just cocky. Probably, yeah. And so then Lewis runs, he goes up in like a tube that you would at the bank. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to describe it. Like the they, tube- sw- they switch his hat, don't they? Have they switched his No, head? they haven't switched his hat yet. Okay. So Wilbur leaves to go up to talk, I think, to the robot or talk to family right. and leaves Lewis in the garage. And then Lewis goes up into one of those tubes and he comes out in the garden. And that's where he meets the grandpa. Which, okay, so the grandpa wears his clothes backwards. Yes, and he goes, my clothes aren't backwards, my head's backwards. Which, okay, so if he honestly believes that... But we see him... That's a mental problem. But we see him believe that... Spoiler. We'll say the other spoiler yeah. here. You, you see him later in the in the present. In the present. And, and he's, he's still, still doing that. So but, it's an eccentric thing he's done. But Oh, no. Yes. I'm not saying it's a dementia or Alzheimer's thing. I think I it's see. a mental disorder he's had for a, a long, since his wedding day or before. Yeah. And it's... That one didn't bother me as much, but I understand. I eventually got to it again. If he was the only one who was so weird, like. I think with the family, and we're about to go into the breakdown of some of the family here. I think if there were less family members where you could focus on their eccentricities, you could show that the family is kooky. And it makes sense to show it with him and his wife because of what we find out later. Right. So it makes sense to show it with them. and. But like the his wife. It makes sense because she's just kind of like a scientist and kind of scatterbrained. Like, that's something that you can relate to. Him being like, I wear my clothes backwards. It feels like someone drew weird things from a hat. Like, his, like, I'm trying to find my teeth. Yeah, well, that came from the book. And that's the other thing is I feel like they forced the only part of the story they based off of the book was the family. And I don't know every family member but in the I, book. But they said in the, in the thing I saw that they made up a lot of those family members. Oh, well, the one with the grandpa with the yeah. teeth is in the book. But did, was he wearing his clothes backward in the book? The, I don't know. It's, so it's it would just, be interesting to see the picture book The for decisions that. they made for this family just feel like thing. It, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel relatable. It feels like... That's so random. It feels like... when I remember my nephews used to always say, like, so random. Like... Like yeah. young kids, like ten years ago, was like being random, man, and that's what this feels like. It's not funny. It's not interesting. And it's too just mu- like, weird for weird. There's sake. too much thrown at you at once that you don't even know who's who. And, and we so, haven't even gotten into the rest of the family. Yeah. Yet. So I, I didn't mind the grandpa, but I understand yes, what you're I think, saying. So I, I the thought grandpa- the thing was weird, but I thought if he was. I'll go into who I think should have stayed and who should have so gone. Grandpa, Grandpa takes him around because he's like, I need to get back to the garage. And Grandpa's like, well, I'll try to get you back there. And they take the longest way possible to get back there. They meet Aunt Billy and Gaston. Aunt Billy's the one with the trains, I'm pretty sure. She loves trains, which isn't 
and life size trains that yes. are like in the house. And but then Gaston is like a human cannonball. He or likes, invented a meatball cannonball, but he shot himself cannon. at the beginning. I think he likes cannons. Yeah, but they don't go into it enough. Like we're guessing. We don't have enough. It's just you see, like yeah, you see him, and he. Th- it, it's it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon where they go to like Dodo Land. Yes, and, and then the just, door. He meets the doorbell twins before grandpa. What is their thing? They, I don't know. They just live twins. in the potted plants outside of the house and try and get you to ring one of two doorbells. And he says, "I don't know how they're related." Later, and Wilbur says, "We don't either." Yeah, so they're like kind. They're related to the family somehow, but they don't know how. They or they're live, strangers living in. Or they're strangers who just live out in the potted plants. That's a problem. Yeah, these are issues. These are things that need to, that aren't fun or quirky. It's like it's just odd. And, and again, if it's just like, well, grandpa's thing is he's weird. And it's like, grandma's like kind of eccentric adventure. adventure. Mom likes making frogs. I don't know. I like the mom. The mom was handled The mom well. was, the, when we see the mom, she's conducting a frog kind of jazz band, Frank Sinatra. I mean, his name's Frankie. But here's singing. my question. Did she, is she so good at teaching frogs how to sing that she taught these frogs to have Frank Sinatra's voice? Or are they like genetically manipulated frogs that the dad did? Like, I don't understand the science of this future. It's just anything goes to the point where I'm like, yeah, what's happening? Like, so the ne- what's magic? What's science? What's going on? Yeah. Well, we don't spend enough time, I feel like, in the future to learn about it. But the next one we meet, which we both had a problem with, is Uncle Joe. And Uncle Joe is just... I think Uncle Joe's the is one the, in the recliner. The bedridden, I believe larger so. one? I think Uncle Joe's the one in the recliner. So that to me is just like, Uncle Joe's thing is he's fat. Yeah, because they never explain it. And then later on, it's like, if he doesn't get his PB&J... He cries and he gets upset. So that to me feels like another mental disorder. Like, he's like have some issue with food like it's just very anxious i didn't like uncle joe because i no. didn't understand what his eccentricity was and i didn't like that he just went around in a recliner i don't know it was weird and it didn't make sense to me there was one who then liked to paint and there, one who had a building on her head well there was laszlo and i don't remember who laszlo was but laszlo i then have kids with man and puppet mom Laszlo was oh, one of God, the kids, yeah. and then there was the dad, and the mom was a puppet. He was a ventriloquist. Which, literally, do you know the Batman villain, the ventriloquist? No. One of the best Batman villains who hasn't been made into a live-action version. But it's a really sheepish man who has a ventriloquist puppet that's a, like, you know, Italian mafia gangster named Scarface. Okay. And he's like, you're going to do this. And like everyone, when Batman meets the gang, they're all talking about Scarface and you realize it's a puppet. And he like literally thinks the puppet is real. Okay. And they treat it as a psychological disorder, as a dissociative uh, identity disorder. Mm. And that's what this felt like. But it was just like, he's married to the puppet. Okay. He's got two kids. Where did those kids come from? They didn't come from the puppet. Were they created in the lab? Are they another thing that... that yeah. What's so, happening here? So then we meet Lucille, who I don't remember. She might be... Lucille might be Laszlo. They might be the Laszlo kids. Laszlo and Lucille. I don't remember. Then we see a dog who's wearing glasses. That never shows up again with that dog No. Go. And then that dog. the butler, Lefty, who's an octopus, who Lewis refers to as a monster. And he's like, no, that's just our butler, Lefty. So did they invent the butler? Is the butler a space alien? Because... Then there's the uncle who's the intergalactic pizza guy. Yes, I didn't write him down. He's the only family member I didn't write down. He was voiced by Adam West, which is cool, but also it's like, 
So are there aliens in this future? No, because he's like, that reminds me of when my pizza saved a civil war on Rylon 7. Okay, so now there's other worlds. Like, yeah. what is, like... Yeah, so Franny is who we meet last. That's Wilbur's mom, who is conducting the frog band. By and far the, frog, the best family member. Yes, and the frog, the lead singer, Frog, the is crooner, Frankie. is wearing Grandpa's teeth. So Lewis finds yes. Grandpa's teeth in all this madness. And so this is when I wrote, we think Lewis is Cornelius. We were right. Uh, yes. So that's at the moment that we kind of make that distinction. And this is when Lewis gives the rundown of each family member. And I didn't rewrite it because I was like, well, I made my own notes. But not in a good way. Not in the not Encanto, in the Encanto way of grandkid grand round. round That was another thing about this is like Encanto does such a better job of like, we've got this full family and you understand from because the beginning you, how they you fit. you live and breathe with the family from moment one right. to the end. Where this is like the family was an afterthought. Like yeah. it felt like if you took this story, you didn't need that whole family. Like you needed Wilbur. You needed the mom, the grandpa, and maybe one other family member. I, the one intergalactic or two. pizza yes. guy. That should have been the weird uncle. And then I think you could have and you had grandma in there too. Because and then I think because Lewis would have still felt accepted by a weird eccentric family but it wouldn't be as like wild and intense as the, this was the adams family is not that big yeah the adams family is the core family the butler the grandma the uncle mm-hmm. like that so, and this a was similar like, structure to that I, would have been helpful i uh, it's 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 very rough this scene this to me was like if this scene when they introduced the family was if in remember in willy wonka where they go on the boat and oh, they see all yes. those images. It felt very similar to but that. But then imagine if you had those images were characters you had to remember through the rest of the story. Yeah, and really you don't have to remember. No, they don't do anything. Again, the They're mom the you have to remember, the, the grandpa you have to remember, like those because they come back in different ways. They so do a lot connected. of jokes with them, but like they're not important. And the yeah. kid, But the kid goes, wow, you guys are great. I wish you'd adopt me. And I'm like... No, like, get me the, like, if this story, if, if it was the Ryan story, yeah, would be like, this, this is your family, Ryan. I'd, like, go back in time and, like, change everything. Yeah. I'd be like, this is not happening. <laughs> so, it cuts back to, oh, they make a joke about Tom Selleck, too, when he goes through the rundown yes. of the family. He goes, he's like, the he's only like, one I don't know is, like? is Cornelius. What does he look like? And he goes, uh, think Tom Selleck, and it's because Tom Selleck is this the, is the voice, voice of Cornelius. So, we go back to Bowler Hat Guy. He's looking for Lewis back at the orphanage to get him to figure out how to turn on the machine because that's part of why he couldn't, his presentation went wrong is he didn't even know how to turn it on. And he runs into Goob and Goob is bummed out and he's holding a stake to his eye because he got beat up because he fell asleep. missing A raw steak. For some reason you said a stake to his eye, I imagine like a oh, wooden yeah, steak. A raw piece like, of yeah. uh, and so he missed the winning catch mm. and he goes, coach said I should let it go and then this cuts to Bowler Hat Guy getting really intense. I laughed here. And he was this like, is when I let sp- it fester. Don't let it go. Hold on to it forever and let it fuel you. And he has this whole kind of evil speech to Goob. Boiler Hat. This is where he starts turning into a character I like. Boiler first Hat. Bowl, bowler Hat. <laughs> I don't know. I know. It's a lot. Um, I just, he's just, at first I was like, why is why is this guy a villain? He seems like an idiot. And then it was like he's a mustache he's twirly funny. villain. Yeah, he's like he's he's, he's, that. he's also trying to be that. He looks like yes. like Snidely Whiplash or the the purple pie maker. From, and he has old man. You know what I'm talking about there. No strawberry shortcake villain. Oh, the purple yes, pie maker yes, yes, from yes. something something mountain. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he has old man Jafar teeth, which you didn't love. His, they weren't as bad as old man Jafar. They were pretty ragged. They were on the way. But yeah. you find out why yeah. later. He yeah. So Doris figures out, Doris the hat, figures out that they have to go back to the future. Because that's where Wilbur and Lewis have gone off to. And so Wilbur... As Lewis is trying to fix this time machine, keeps telling him, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. He's like, that's what my dad always says. And my dad has invented everything in this world, mm. including this time machine. The peculiar purple pie man of Porcupine Peak. Mm, yes, yes. Great alliteration. Thank you. Well, I mean, you didn't come up with the alliteration, but it was a great pronunciation. Wow, way to give it to me and then It was take a it great away. pronunciation of the alliteration. <laughs> uh so this is where you find out a little bit more of the story that Wilbur's dad has made two time machines, but he had lots of different prototypes that failed, yeah. lots of different things that failed. And Lewis is frustrated because he can't fix it. And then the mom calls them in for dinner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 What you're talking about happens later, which I do want to talk about. I didn't even talk about it, but you knew what I was going to talk I know about you're, yeah, in my the, brain. Yeah. When they put Doris away. No, I was going to talk about when he fails and everybody at the table celebrates. Oh, yeah. One yes. thing I really, really yeah, like. Yeah, that comes up right uh, comes up here in a minute. So mom calls him for dinner, and then now we're back to Bowler Hat. They're back in the future, and now there's a mini Doris. So we've got mm-hmm. Doris the size of a regular hat, and then mini Doris the size of like a doll's hat. Yes. And Doris tells Bowler Hat Guy, you have to stay in the time machine. He's like, oh, but I'll use this little mini Doris to spy. By the way, when Dor- when Doris says stuff, it's beep, 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 and then yeah, the guy and the like, light repeats turns it from back. Green yeah. To red. yeah. So he stays in the time machine, and now it's dinner with the whole family. And then this gets weird here, too, because they get served spaghetti and meatballs. I don't know why this weirded me out, but when Carl the robot serves them dinner, I didn't like that there were a bunch of tiny robots inside Carl <laughs> that then, like, came out to serve them. I just, I don't know why. It just, I didn't care for it. Huh. Uh, it just weirded me out, and I, I can't pinpoint why I didn't like it. I just, it gave me a feeling, and I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> you, uh, don't, you don't like things living inside I guess else. and coming out. Uh, but they have spaghetti and meatballs, and then the, this is when the mom finds out from Wilbur that Lewis is an orphan, and she's and she's like very taken by that. And well, wait, ha- this is also where the mom and the one of the yes. uncles. Oh yeah, have but the, the, the reason they fight. have okay. the food fight is because Wilbur distracts them because the mom's like, "Take off your hat." This is when at this okay, point they've yeah, switched yeah. hats. He's no longer wearing the fruit hat. He's wearing because Wilbur's like, "I can't take you seriously in that hat." And gives him like a yeah, baseball, baseball cap. cap. Uh, with the same logo that Wilbur's wearing on his shirt, which is mm. probably connected to the dad's. It's I an R, imagine. isn't it? Just the Robinson. Oh, it was the Robin? I thought it was a lightning bolt. It we might be get, an R. We should get some shirts that have just J. J's. Yeah. <laughs> so to distract, he throws a meatball at the mom, maybe, or at the uncle. I don't know. He how. throws it at the uncle and says the mom threw it. So yes. then they have a fight, and then the. The food fight turns into a kung fu movie style food fight where the colors change. It gets desaturated and yeah. like they're speaking. And, and this is where I wrote dubbed. it feels like a fever dream. Yeah, this is when we're like, what is this movie? Yeah. And so then Carl comes out with the PB and J invention, which kind of confirms our guess that Cornelius is mm. the dad is Lewis. And so he comes out with that invention, and Lewis is really excited to see that invention and is like, I know how to fix it. And then it cuts to the frogs. So now we see the frogs around a bar and they're like all these crooners like telling stories at a bar and it has a little bit of a mob feel here. It has more of a mob feel later and we'll get to that. Uh, But I wrote, it's kind of like the Rat Pack here. You know, they're all like kind of shooting the breeze. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they're all like 
talking. And so he then, with Minnie Doris, mind controls the lead singer, Frog. Right. Mind controls Frankie. And Lewis tries to fix PB&J and it explodes everywhere like it did with the adoptive parents. And he immediately is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And this is when the family celebrates. Yeah, they're like, great, they're, you screwed up. You and they're failed. Like, That's so... When you fail, you learn. When you succeed, not so much. Like, yeah, and I liked that moment too. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool moment. I thought that cool was a moment. great moment. And then they go into what they learned and the uncle's like, I would have never invented the meatball cannon if I didn't fail. And I, this is where I laughed at grandpa when he was like, I would have never in, discovered my fireproof pants and his pants set on fire, go to ashes. It's just his boxers. And he's like, I'm still working out the kinks. Yeah. And I, that made me laugh. Uh, Again, I, I feel I like, like I'm the, shouting. I don't think you are. Again, I, okay. I, I, I like the grandpa. Yes, me too. So then, he realizes that the frog, he's trying to send the frog in after Lewis and the frog, even though he's under mind control, is like, well, I have tiny arms or like my, I'm short. He's or, like, I, this is, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm it's little. It's like you didn't think this plan through. Yeah. And he goes, well, I need something with a smaller brain. And they, they see a topi. He sees a topiary of a T-Rex, T-Rex in the yard. And he's like, okay. So he goes back in time with a time machine. And he goes, he goes, I'll go find one. And he goes, I should tell Doris. No, I'm going to keep it a surprise. And so he leaves. So Doris doesn't know. Doris is still lurking around the yes. house. You see her every little bit. And then the T-Rex shows up. And has the tiny hat on its head, and he's mind controlling the yes. T Rex. And I do like and it eats Lewis's Lewis like, family. It eats Lewis. It eats first. Lewis, but it doesn't like swallow him. He's like, "Don't eat him. You need to save him." But I do like that Lewis is like, "What? You have a pet T Rex?" And Wilbur's like, "We don't have a pet T Rex." Yeah, like, yeah. Lewis just thinks it's part of the craziness, right? Because which would could be because yes. there's nothing as off limits in this wackadoo movie. So it attacks. <laughs> it attacks everyone, and then we see all these weird inventions come out from the different family members, and that's where Uncle Joe's just like zooming around in the recliner, which. Was weird because yeah. we still don't know what Uncle Joe's thing is. His thing is he's fat, and because he's fat, he's unable to walk around. That was the joke they were making. Yeah, it's very, it's very fat phobic. It's very yes. in inappropriate. So, I didn't, like, we need to stop tiptoeing around. Like, what were they doing here? Yeah, no, what you're they right. were doing you're here right. was they well, thought fat I just, equals funny. I think I was just like, is there something we're missing? But I think you're no, right. I don't I, think we missed anything. I don't think there was a lot of thought put in. Again. There's one woman who has a skyscraper for a hat. And as far as I know, that's it. That's it. And so, again, if they had pared down the family, I think we could have spent more time learning the eccentricities of the pared down family, which I think would have met made it's, for a tighter family unit, which would have made us connect to them more. Remember we the beginning? Connected to them. Remember the beginning of the Never Ending Story where we saw those weird, like, three faced people and stuff? Yes. Like, what if all of a sudden there was a fan? That, that's what it was. It was like, like the building head woman could have been one of them. Yeah. Only now she's like still in the movie. And it's like, yeah. wait, no, this wasn't some weird background decision. Yeah. So my next note is lots of bonkers action. And that's it. Yeah, like, they fight the There's a lot happening. So then, <laughs> so then it cuts to uh, Wilbur winds up. Doing something that knocks the mini Doris off the T-Rex. So the T-Rex is no longer controls. He right. realizes it's bowler hat. And then he kind of just passes him. out. And so mini Doris, all the frogs see mini Doris. And they come upon her and the license plate says rib it, I-T. Yeah. And they open the trunk and there's a shovel in the trunk. And they throw mini Doris in the trunk. And I think it was... Was referencing the Goodfellas. Because then it's like the shot from the trunk of three frogs and then they close it. Yeah, and looking at it. And And then then Bowler Bowler Hat Hat guy guy. says, 
Minnie Doris now sleeps with the fishes, which is a Godfather reference. Yeah, it's... So, that was... There's a little... There's a lot of... This movie's so random. Yeah, so... So random. That happens. Then... That's what I feel like with most of this movie. So that happens. Yeah. So then the family... The family really does like Lewis, and they're really charmed by Lewis, and they think he's an orphan, and they don't know who Lewis is. Yeah. And so this is when the mom's like, well, it's getting late. You should spend the night. And, you know, they're talking more and more, and the mom's like... Well, you don't have a family. We would love you to be part of our family. And I do think that's a very sweet it's moment. Nice, because but it's Lewis also a big leap. It is a big leap. Lewis isn't the one who brings it up, though. So I do like yeah. that the mom is genuinely like, I, I like want to help this kid. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's because she sees her husband in this kid. Well, like, I she also, knows her husband was an orphan and wants. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Is this, so, this family may, may be more inclined to And maybe that's take care why of some of the family that we don't know how they're connected, they just bring in for lack of a better term, strays. strays. Yeah. These people folks are who strays. Don't have, <laughs> folks who don't have family, they become part of the Robinson folks family. Folks that don't have families, and in some of these cases, shouldn't have families. <laughs> they should be Batman villains, building head. <laughs> uh, okay. So, she says that, and then Batman's Wilbur, in this movie. Did we say that Adam West, Adam West is the voice? Adam West is Batman. Yeah, you said Batman Adam West, 66. but I don't know that you yeah. said that he's Batman. Yes. So then... Wilbur knocks off his hat on purpose because he's like, she can't adopt him. Yeah. And then they see his hair and they realize who he is. And then she's, her tone changes immediately. And she's like, I'm so sorry. You have to go. Like, you can't be here. You're a great kid, but you have to go back to your own time. Like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. And so Wilbur lied and is now in a big mess. And so Lewis feels very betrayed because Wilbur also lets out, well, I was never going to take him back to see his mom. Right. Because Wilbur's mom is like, why would you have promised that? Like, you can't do that. That that will mess with things. And so she goes to say, we have to call your father. Like, we have to get to your father. And as all that's going along, along Lewis runs away. Lewis is very upset. He mm-hmm. feels betrayed. He's in the future with no way to get back. He's, like, in, he's in a future terrifying. asylum. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. He's in this land where he now, the only person he knew and cared about, like, connected with was Wilbur and now feels like he betrayed him. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, like, heaviness of, this is my family, but I'm Wilbur's dad. And it's a lot there for a 12-year-old to process. Uh, he doesn't know he's his dad yet, though. Oh, that's true. That's that's later because B- yeah. Bowler Hat Guy picks him up yes, and says... Yes, that's right. That's what happens next in my notes, yeah. I can so, help you if you just... Do something for him. Yeah, Bowler Hat entices him back by saying, I have the other time machine. Yeah. I can take you back to your mom if you just tell me how to turn on your memory scanner. (laughs) You just flip this thing twice and press this button. That's a stupid way to turn turn that on. on. He's like, what a stupid way to turn that on. That made us laugh. So. Bowler Hat guy went through the biggest like flip for me where I was like, this guy sucks to like, this is my favorite character. Yeah. And so he winds up, he helps Lewis to figure out that Lewis is Cornelius. Lewis is yes. his dad. He's like basically baby steps. He's yeah. like, yes, And that's then he true. goes, what's that's the true. other thing? Who am I? And he's like, I have no idea who you he's are. Like, I am Goob. I don't yes, know that he, he says he that. He turns on but... the light and they're in the orphanage. Yes. Because he's like, when I missed the ball, him. I stayed here for the rest of my After life. After the orphanage yes. closed, he stays and he takes off his cloak and he's still wearing his baseball. The tiny Goob-sized baseball uniform. Yeah, but he's and grown out of it. And guy is, has like huge, long limbs. And... Yes, I like his, we'll talk about him in the villain yes. ranking, but I liked his movement a lot. But we go back to the baseball game. So we see we see what happens. He falls asleep. Everybody beats him up. 
anytime he goes into an a, an interview with uh, potential adopters, he's just freaking out about the fact that he lost the game because his roommate and he's hearing on the radio that Cornelius is doing all these amazing things and inventing yes. all these things and becoming this famous, very smart person. And he's just focusing more and more on what he missed out on because of Cornelius. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of what fuels him here. And so he then talks about how he meets Doris. And they go, where do they go? It's like this unicorn diner where he's like drinking a milkshake with a yeah. unicorn on top of it. And I liked his unicorn uh, binder that was like a little Lisa Frank reminiscent that had his yeah. little checklist. But I'm not sure how it like plays in. Again. It's, yeah. It's very random. Yes. So he tells basically the origin story of Doris, which is she was a helper hat that Cornelius, you know, you created her and then she wanted to do more than help people and you put her away. Well, wasn't she what she wanted to control people? She yeah, didn't want she to be wanted a to slave. Mind, mind control and you put her away. And when we see her get put away, we see her get put away with obviously other inventions that have gone awry. Which when they made the Meet the Robinsons TV show would have been like... Well, that would have been a great battle scene with Doris. They go a different direction, but Doris, like, awakening all those inventions. Yeah, all the weird, cool, bad inventions. Which we kind of wanted to have happen, but nothing happens. It with did that. kind of look like the scene in Westworld where they put away, they oh, retired. Yes, yeah. So then Carl and Wilbur come to help save Lewis because he's basically tied up after that because Bowler Hat Guy goes back to the past. Mm-hmm. And Doris attacks Carl. They steal the invention. They go back to the past. And then things start disappearing in the future because the past is changing. And the first thing to disappear is Wilbur. Yes. And so uh, he's helping. By signing this contract with Inventco, Doris has kind of gotten her way. And now helping hats are taking over the world. Yes, that was the next thing. They go, well, what other ideas do you have? And he's like, I've got an idea for this hat. And then they go to the, in the future, the world changes into this world where like everyone is. is Wearing a hat. Wearing a hat. It's like the suicide squad with the 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 starfish on their face. And so Doris, because she winds up attacking Buller Hat Guy and then. Everyone gets taken over and the future. That's how we see that. And Lewis is trapped in the time machine in the future as he's seeing the future change. And there's a giant Doris that kind of covers the Robinson home. Yeah, it's like a house. And then it turns out to just be a giant Doris. Yeah, and as he's trapped in the time machine, he realizes how he can fix it. He sees like the wires that were messed up or whatever and starts fixing the time machine. And then it's a very industrial Doris world. Is what I wrote. Like, yeah, the it's, future. Yeah, it kind of is like the Matrix where it's like the machines. Like, they're using the people to, like, shovel coal and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, like and so he goes back to the past. Well... To convince... No, no, he defeats Doris first. So he's fighting Doris in the future... And he goes, I'm never going to invent you. No, 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 no. He's, he goes to the past. He goes to the past He first. goes to the past and he starts talking to Goob and he's like... She's going to do Goob. this. And so yeah. she all of a sudden has these like arms that are like spinning blades. He goes, I'm never going to invent That's you. And she just is. goes, ah, and like and dissolves. Disappears. Which yeah. is like a very Bill and Ted way. If you remember Bill and Ted, was like, yeah. we're going to come back and put a key here. You know, yes. like all that yeah. stuff is what it felt like. So then the future goes back to normal. He takes Goob to the future to show him what was going to happen with, with Doris. Doris. And, and Goob he, feels bad. And then he tries to get Wilbur to adopt Goob. He's like, you should adopt Goob into your family. And then Goob kind of disappears. He kind of slinks off. 
Yeah, they find his checklist, and the last one is like a check that says question, question mark, mark now. Like he doesn't know what to do. And then do. you don't really... I thought maybe Goob was going to go back in time and make Goob catch the ball. I kind of would have liked that. Like, he had some yeah. ownership over what happened. Yeah, so then Cornelia shows up. And finds Lewis in the future. And so this is when they meet each yes. other, past and, and future, uh, Lewis Cornelius. And he shows him all his inventions. Would you he- want to meet your past self? I feel like mine would be like, why are you so fat, dude? <laughs> oh, well, you're just talking about how we shouldn't be fat shaming. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying, you should. again, like, I just feel like. Have more love for that yourself. Would be, that would be my thing. Like, hey, man, uh, just a few sit-ups. That's all I really need from you. <laughs> uh I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there. this is like a very philosophical, I feel like a heavy question for me because of where I'm going to take it. But I think there are moments in my past life where I would have loved a future self to be like, you're going to get through this or this isn't as bad as it seems. But I also think if I had also that. Also invest in Google. Yeah. But I also think if I had that, would I have gotten through it in the way I did, right? That's the big question. Yeah, yeah, is if you have somebody there, if you know how it's going to turn out, would you do it the same way you would do it when you don't know how it's going to turn mm-hmm. out? I think that's the big. Whoa, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he shows him all his inventions, but he says, this is out of everything I've invented. This is like the most special thing because this just proved so much to me. And it's the memory scanner. I feel like it should have been a picture of the family. This is the thing I invented. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Because, like, yeah, like yeah, my wife and yeah, my child. Yeah, but he and... goes, he goes. so I'm going to have all of this. And he goes, well, I don't know. You have to make the right choices. So I do like that it's not set in stone that this is your future. Yeah. Like, you still have to make the right choices. And he goes, the first thing you need to do is get back to that science fair. Like, you have to find out. That's where it's going to start for you. And so Wilbur takes him. So he says goodbye to all the psychopaths. And then. <laughs> Wilbur takes him back to the science fair. But before he do, does that, he makes a pit stop. And he goes, you put in the wrong time. And he's like, no, I promised you this. And it's when he's left mm-hmm. at the doorstep of the orphanage. And this is where there's a cool moment or two of he goes up almost to tap his mom on the shoulder. And then the, he decides he doesn't want to do it. And he runs away and hides. And those are the footsteps you hear mm-hmm. at the beginning when she turns around because she hears something. And then she leaves the baby. And then Lewis goes up and Lewis is the one who knocks on the door, which is who alerts Mildred, who then takes him into the orphanage. Right. So he takes him back to present time. And uh, he goes to the baseball game first and wakes up Goob, who has the winning pitch, and then everybody celebrates Goob winning. And then Lewis says, I know what went wrong. We go back to the after the chaotic aftermath where the sprinklers turn on and everything Mm -hmm. in the science fair. And he says to the teacher, I know, I know what happened. Please just give me one more chance. And the scientist is like, My ride's not here yet. Like, go ahead. I I've got nowhere to be. And he asks her to think of a memory she wants to go back to. And you go back to her wedding day and you see who she's marrying and she's marrying grandpa. And so then you realize. some weirdo with his clothes on. And I thought that that's, I thought that I was like, oh, I hope she adopts him. And Tara Tara thinks I don't believe that she thought this was I didn't say it out loud. I didn't vocalize it. But I had that thought before he goes back to the the, the past timeline right i was like I and i have like no cool. reason to not believe you but you were like no really and i'm like okay yeah so <laughs> we see that and then that's where lewis kind of makes that connection mm-hmm. as well and grandpa shows up to pick her up 
And they celebrate Lewis, and they decide they're going to adopt Lewis. Right. They really, you know, see a lot in him. And then we have this montage of kind of seeing him get adopted by them, and they buy the house, the Robinson house, and he Which, sets up. I didn't want to see that. I want to see what happened to Goob. I wrote at the end, what happens to Goob, ex- question mark, question mark, exclamation mark. Yes. Like, I really want to know what like, happened to Goob. Instead, we see this long story, this Rob get- Thomas song. And then we get a Walt Disney quote. We get a Walt Disney quote at the end. And the Walt Disney quote is, I took a picture of it so I could read it. Around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths, Walt Disney. I And I think that's it's interesting because it is kind of like a serious ending for what is the most goofball McGillicuddy movie I think yeah. we've almost seen on this. Where it was yes, like, what and, is happening? And I, I would have liked to know what happened to Goob. I don't need a whole storyline, but even just seeing Goob getting adopted or seeing... I, I don't know. I, I would have... What I would have liked to have seen was when Goob... When, when Bowler Hat Guy just kind of disappears... He he steals the time machine one last time and goes back and goes goob and like wakes him up. Yeah. And then when he comes back, like what we see is like he's Cornelius he's a is part assistant. of the future like, in some yeah, way. He's, yes, he's, I agree. You know, he's he's like it like something pulls up that's like baseball star Mike Wagubarin or whatever his name is. is yeah, you know, or we whatever. see a billboard of him or something that lets he's us, on a Wheaties box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that lets us know that it turned out okay yeah. for goob. Um. But that's the movie, folks. Uh, there it is. Uh, the computer is on the other side of the room because oh. of our new studio setup. Yes. But I am going to tr- attempt to let's do the questions. Well, do, how do you want to do? Are you going to write down the scores? I'll get it before we do the villain thing. Okay. Um, so, so how was the prince? The prince in this case was Lewis. I liked Lewis. I thought he was all right. Like shrug. I didn't. I didn't love him, but I didn't dislike him. I thought I thought he was a, a good. I character. liked his journey. I think he did yeah. a good job. Yeah. Uh, how was I the, thought he was very relatable. Yes. How was the princess Wilbur? I didn't. I didn't feel like they had much of a. It felt like it. He, he Wilbur was just another character in the family, right? Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like Wilbur came in so intensely, and I understand why they did that. He just like popped in from the future. Yeah. But. I didn't feel like I got to spend enough time to really know who Wilbur was. And I feel like as I was learning who Wilbur was, I was like, oh, he's just like in trouble and he's trying to get out of trouble. Yeah. And yeah. Wilbur well, Wilbur was even more mad than Lewis to me. Yeah. Uh, I actually liked Lewis. How, I don't know that I actually liked Wilbur. How are the sidekicks and henchmen? Okay. We've talked about the family. We don't need to talk about the family. Yeah. Anymore, and but I do want to say I every, love oh, Franny. I love Franny. Oh, and we should say... Franny. Oh, Franny is the girl with the frogs. Is the girl with the frogs at the science fair. Yes, which I thought was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, And I love her as an adult. I thought she was a really good mom. She's like, I I liked her a lot. I liked Grandpa and Grandma. I did. I liked Grandma. I liked Grandma more younger. I feel like she was a non character older. Yes, agreed. But I wonder if that's because they were trying to keep the surprise. Yeah. Because we knew her younger. I didn't come up with it like you did. Well, I didn't come up with it at that point when we meet Grandma, but yeah. But I'm wondering if that's why we didn't see a lot of grandma. Probably. Um, but yeah, as far as the rest of the family, no thank you. What was your favorite musical number? Uh, well, henchmen. Do we want to talk about who is the henchman in the situation of Dor- Doris and Bowler Well, it Hat feels guy? more like Bowler Hat Guy ended up being the henchman, yeah. but I think we're going to rate them both as villains. Yes, I think we should rate them separately. Um, musical number? 
I liked when they first arrive in the future. That had a very that sounded very Danny Elfman to me. Yeah, I would say that was probably my favorite. The other ones were a, none of the a bit songs, forgettable. Like yeah. nothing stuck with me. Yeah, it was all like generic two thousands music. Um, how does it hold up? So when I was younger, I remember there was a show that my mom saw, like, I don't know if what I was watching. I used to watch cartoons, like, until I was a senior in high school in the morning because I had, like, a zero-hour class, so I had to wake up early, and that was the only thing I was cartoons or the news. I didn't want to watch the news. And there was one that my mom caught wind of once called Samurai Pizza Cats, I believe. (laughs) And I remember... I don't remember what she said exactly, but she was basically like, this is some hyperactive nonsense. Uh-huh. And I always have, like, categorized certain things under that as, like, it's not inappropriate. It's not that, yeah. you know, it, it's perfectly G or PG or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I would not show this movie to a kid because I feel like showing this to a kid is the equivalent of giving them, like, red syrup. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. just going to wind some kid up. Yeah. In a way that's, like, not healthy. Yeah. So while it doesn't have smoking, it doesn't, you know, there's one person of color, everyone else is, that's an issue. You know, for the most part, this is an okay film. Mm-hmm. I still think there's an there's an X factor we haven't established that I was like, I would not show this to children. I'm curious. I would like listeners. I would love for you if you have kids and they've seen this movie and they like this movie, I would love for you to write us. Cause I'm sure there are lots of kids out there who love this movie. I am curious if kids are energized after this movie or if it doesn't affect them the same way it affected us as adults, like it just being the sensory overload. I'm super curious. So I, I'd I love just, to know that. I just, I couldn't have maraschino cherries as a kid. Cause they made me hyper. This was movie was like maraschino. If you cherry. ate a whole jar of maraschino. No, cherries. if I ate one. <laughs> Do you not know this story? Yeah, I do know Where the I story. Bit my mother yes, <laughs> but I, I I'm saying if you ate the whole jar. This this yeah, this movie was maraschino cherry juice injected directly into my eyeballs. Yes. Um let's do the villain ranking. So today we are going to do two villains. So who do we want to start with first? Doris? Sure. I it doesn't matter to me, so. Frightening. I give her at least a three. Yeah, I mean... Especially when the hat goes away at the end and she's like that weird robot skull. And also because, like, her whole... Her evil plan, like, it is pretty scary. She wants to take over... She wants to mind control people one person at a time. And we see what that looks like when she potentially succeeds. Right. Um. So you have a three, too? Yeah. I think that goes into, like, her overall effectiveness, what I'm talking about. But We'll get to effectiveness yeah. in a second. Uh, funny one. Yeah, she wasn't funny. The 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 comedy came from Bowler Haggai. Fierce one. I don't think she had any like. Uh, she's an inanimate. I'm gonna object give her. Of... Yeah, I was gonna give her a two for like style because she's like. Oh, because she, she's a bowler hat. hat? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll give her, give her a two. two. Uh, effective. She does win. The, her. She gets her future. Yeah. If not... So do we give her a five or do we give her a four? <sighs> this is where it's tricky because I feel like I've given five. I think she in the gets past. a five. Yeah. I think she gets a five because she creates her future. We see what the future is like if Doris rules the world. Design. I mean, she's a. Well, I, she's I, a I'll spidery. Give her... She's like a spidery. Oh, right, right. right. I'll, I'll give her something machine. for that because the way she moved around was kind of cool. Yeah. So I think that's a two or a three. I'll give her a two. What do you? I'll give her? her a two as well. Okay. And then go away heat and yes factor I had. So I had no yes factor because I didn't know her. Right. I didn't know anything about her. So I'll give her a one for that. 
Uh, go away, he... I feel like she didn't have any, but I feel like for the mind control, I want to give her at least a point, so maybe a two. But, a like, two. there was no, like, oh, God, it's Doris. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Let's give her a two, then. Well, what are you going to give her? I gave her a one. I oh, okay. I was like, whatever. So her final score was a 15, which is higher than I thought a hat would get. <laughs> I liked her. I thought she was an interesting villain and very different, right? Yes. I I, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting that... She ended up kind of being the big villain. Yeah, because when I was talking about her in the beginning, you didn't seem to think that she was going to be the one in control. Funny enough, Tara, she has the same ranking as the very hated group. So she's got... Oh, the, so she's the, in with... Yes, Donald Duck's libido. <laughs> well, that's uh, a bummer because I like Slate. her more than that, but... But, like, Stromboli, like, she's it's she's all right. She, yeah. But... but I think uh, she didn't have personality. She like, didn't have personality. Like she was a freaking hat. Has. Yeah. Okay. I, it's funny because I feel like Bowler Hat for me is going to be a very similar ranking, just because all the stuff that she had, he didn't have. Yeah, and that's why they were a good duo. I feel like so frightening. I give him a two because he. Well, that, that's not frightening. Okay, his I know where teeth? I'm going. Yes, I'm trying to figure out where I put his, his point for a C. That might be in go away heat for me. For. So what is he getting from you? For, for frightening? frightening, he's getting a one. Same for me. Okay. I didn't find him scary. Funny. I really... He is funny. By the end. I don't think he's a five, but he's at least a three or maybe a four. He was funny. I laughed at him. His movement was funny. Like, some of his comedy was in the way he was animated, was in the way he moved, right? Right. So I think, I think this might be high. I really want to give him a three and a half. But I think I'm going to give him the four. I guess that's in a design, though. Let me give him a three, and then I think I'm going to give him higher in design. Okay. Um, I also gave him a three. Fierce, like he had that cape. It's it. it he had kind of a. I don't think a, he had a swagger. You don't though. think he had any swagger the way he moved? See, that to me was kind of. I, I might give the, him a two. I think the time he had swagger was he's like. You will be amazed when he came out all big about the invention, yes. but then he didn't know how to turn it on. Right. So that's why he gets a two as opposed to a three, four, or five. I don't give him a one, but I give him a two. Okay. You can give him whatever you I'll want. I'll reluctantly give him a two. You don't have to give him the same thing as me. I'm not trying to convince you to give him the same score. If you want to give him a one, then he gets a one. He's a one to you. Yeah. That's This is infallible and scientific, and that's <laughs> why. Effective. So... I mean, at the end of the day, he's a rube, so I don't think you can give him higher than a four. I also think his goal was not Doris's. Doris's Mm -hmm. was taking over the world one person at a time with mind control. His was just destroying Lewis's life, and he doesn't do that. No, he doesn't at the end of the day. Because even in the future, we see... I think he's fumbling. Like, anything he does, he gets... It's fumbling at best, so I feel like I want to give him maybe a... Even when he has the tiny Doris, he messes up twice. He has the T-Rex, who then can't go after Lewis because he has the tiny arms in his head. We didn't talk about that. Yes. It's like going into the wall. But and the same with the frog. I feel like his plans aren't well thought out. He's going from a place of anger and revenge. Yeah, he might be but, one. Just because he's such a rube. He ends up being the like... Yeah, I think Doris is the one with the master plan. Yeah, okay. I, I give so him a one. What do you give him? I'm going to give him a one. Okay. Design. Okay, I'm going to give him a four for design. Okay, I'm going to give him a... I'm going to give him a two. I really liked... I liked his twirly mustache. I liked... 
I liked how lanky he was. I think, like, his movement, every time he was, like, he walked on that table in that presentation scene, but then, like, he would, he would, like, leap behind something, and I don't know. I really liked... Yeah. I liked his movement a lot. I liked that he had lanky legs. I liked the design of his cape, and it was a very funny bit when he revealed that he was still wearing the baseball uniform from when he was a kid. It's also very sad, but... I I just think, for me, he is just Snidely Whiplash, is just the purple pie man from porcupine okay he's just so that's not much i give him a two because i do agree with you on his his jafar teeth too i think there are very specific things about him yes that's that made him unique so i wanted to give him okay go away he he's got uh, two at the beginning of the movie i did not like him i think he's getting a three from me because i halfway the movie i really started liking him but like there's a good part of the movie i'm like this guy's an idiot and then i'm giving him one extra point for teeth that's my teeth point. So I'm going to give him a two because okay. I do feel like I felt the same in the beginning where I was like, he's kind of a fool and I don't understand what's going on with him. And the more the movie went on, the more I liked him as a villain. So I'm giving him a one for yes factor now. Were I to watch this again, which will come up with whether that's going to happen or not, it, I would probably rank him higher because I, I like him. I would too, but I didn't know him. So nope. I feel like I can't give him a yes yep. factor for that. So he has a 13, oh, which so makes he's him even lower, lower than Doris. Than Doris. He <laughs> again, he's with some pretty rough company, but I think he is the best of the group. And I will refer to him as Bowler Hat Guy in here and not Goob. But he is tied for 62nd with the the Gogans from Pete's Dragon oh, wow. and the Jack in the Box from Fantasia 2000. Huh. I don't know that I agree with either place that they're at, but I don't know where they should go. I think they're interesting, but right? I don't think they're particularly good villains, to be honest, right? I think they're a good duo. I think together they're stronger than separate, than apart, which is what we're proving from this ranking. Yeah. Well, guys, that was Meet the Robinsons. And I guess the big question is do we put it on the shelf or do we put it in the vault? Which are the two the questions. And can I give my answer first? Sure. I am vaulting this You're movie. Vaulting I would never movie. watch this movie again. I would watch parts of it, what I thought were funny. Yeah. I think now I understand Bowler Hat Guy. Bowler Hat Guy is a, is a walk-around character. Oh. Like, I think he would be a fun walk-around character because he could, like, slink away. Yes. And well, I, I think s- he could I think he could mess with kids a little bit in a fun way. Well, it's funny because I'd seen this character before in the trailers and stuff. And then just yeah. thought I didn't know his name. And then... I saw him on like a like a Oogie Boogie's villains mm, thing, and he yeah. comes in and he's like, "It's your favorite villain, Bowler Hat Guy," and I'm like, "His name is Bowler Hat Guy? <laughs> like that's the, the the name that they're yeah. going with because they don't want to say Goob. Yeah, they don't want to ruin it exactly. for anybody. But yeah. like, I was just like, that's the character's name. Yeah, I, mean, I remember doing that, but." Yeah, I don't think I'd watch this again. I would put it in the vault too. I I I do want to hear from listeners though if you yourself have a a soft spot for this film or if your kids really like it because I would love to hear I would love to hear why it speaks to you. I think I would also like it, to know if your children have ADHD. <laughs> I think parts of it spoke to us but as a whole it didn't and we obviously went into pretty good detail as to why. So I don't think we need to rehash that here. Absolutely. Um so our next uh episode is a mini tale. 
I don't want to say what it is because it's it's a very special mini tale that we promised one of our listeners we would do. <laughs> so we're gonna keep it a surprise. So we're gonna keep it but a surprise. It, is, it was promised in one of our mailbags. It was promised in our mailbags. Um, um, if you're listening to this, you know we have our 100th episode, which is going to be a mailbag coming up. So we need you to please call in 707 yo one send us an email, uh, trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Listen to our stuff before and after to find out where to get at us on um, social media. Social media. We'll have a thread on Facebook that's like, please you know, tell us what you want, questions or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, you can message us on Facebook, too, or same with Instagram, too, if you want. But yeah, so uh, like I said, next time, guys, a very special mini tale to uh, one of our listeners. But uh, we'll check. We'll see you next time. All right, take care, listeners. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is too at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh-huh.